Hello and welcome to the Hot Copy Podcast, a podcast for copywriters all about copywriting. Now, if you're listening to this show, I'm guessing that you already are a copywriter, you're thinking about being one, or you're a writer of some sort, which means that we should already be able to write, right? But the truth is that even after years of slaving at the keyboard, we could all do with learning a thing or two. So perhaps you're feeling lost with your writing, or your ransom notes are going unanswered, or people are ignoring your emails. In this episode, you're going to get some tips on how to write better, how to write real words for real people. Let's get stuck in. Hello, my name is Kate Toon. I'm a copywriter and the founder of the Clever Copywriting School, where you can find templates, courses, a directory, and membership for copywriters. And of course, also the Recipe for SEO Success Learning Hub. And today with me is the marvelous Amanda Van Eldren. Hello, Amanda. Hello, Kate. It's very nice to have you here. It's very nice to be here. Thank you. I know. You're, you're a fan of the show, I, I believe. She said she is. Everyone says that because they just want to get on the show. But uh, uh, you're also a member of, of my community and you're uh, somebody that helps me organize CopyCon, the copywriting conference in Australia. So we go back a, we go back a long way. Ooh, feels like we do. We do. I think we've only known each other for about three years, but there's been a lot of love in that time. There has. So let me start by reading out your illustrious bio. Apparently, you are a copywriter and author of Write Better, How to Cut the Crap and Say What You Mean. Amanda Belly flopped into freelancing in 2016 when she chucked in a cushy, cushy job and founded WorkWords. She now writes for some of Australia's biggest brands and lots of the smallest. She's on a mission to help everyday people write better and to help big brands cut the crap and say what they mean. So there you go. You've written a book. I have indeed. And you know that bio, what, the job wasn't that cushy. It just sounds better. It does sound better. You gave up a really appalling job that you didn't like to do something that you prefer. So today we're going to give some tips on how to write better. Now I know that your book, Write Better, is largely aimed at non-writers, like almost non-copywriters, but I still think there's a lot that copywriters can learn from it. So today you're going to give some tips on how to write better. Now I know that your book is primarily aimed at like non-writers, non, but there's lots there that copywriters can learn too. So you've got 10 top tips on how to write better. And number one is how to get to know your audience. So what do you mean by that? Um, I think it's about understanding that you might need to do a little bit of digging. Um, You might think you know who these people are. You might even know how old they are or whatever. But get some data, look at some testimonials. That's a great place to find out what they're thinking. And if you know where they hang out, go and hang out there too and listen in, find out what they're talking about. Do you think that works for big brands as well as small businesses? Like, what would a, how would a, if I'm a, if I'm going to write some copy for a, a plumber? I mean, obviously, I've used a plumber, but like, where would I go to understand their audience? Um, look, in, from the Australian perspective, I go to places like um, product review, talking about specific products. I go to places like Whirlpool. Read it to a lesser extent. I think um, a lot of overseas people use that more. But Whirlpool in Australia is a fabulous source of information on any kind of product or service. It so is. And I also think Facebook groups are a really good place, like especially that. if you have some local community Facebook groups. They're hilarious for one. and, and oh, well worth. started. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, you know, starting with the – if you've got testimonials or reviews, like good things and bad things, um, starting with – 
know the brand that you're actually working on if they've got them and then look at what their competitors are doing why why are they doing better than than your client what are their client what are their customers saying and do that yeah copy no not copy no. Be, ins- be inspired by that's what we say okay so tip number two is understand the purpose of what you're writing what do you mean by yeah, that and look that seems incredibly simple and like i'm being captain obvious but um so many people skim over it and don't really um you know take it into account so what what are you actually trying to do if you understand who the audience is what do you want to do to them now do you want to persuade them of something do you want to say sorry about something are you giving them good news are you selling them a thing or are you selling them an idea like be really clear on what it is you want to communicate to them about what's the end game so do you mean as well like because I think often brands very much focus on what they want to say but then it's more about as well also what the customer wants to hear and what's going to persuade them to take the next step so is it about call to action or is it more about just being really crystal clear on the message Um, I think it's both. I think call to action is a really important part of it because if you don't give people somewhere to go next, um, then you haven't, you can't achieve your purpose. Um, Whether you want them to reply to an email that you sent, whether you want them to click on, you know, the link and buy your thing, um, you've got to give them somewhere to go and keep the conversation going. So you can say all of this fabulous stuff and build them up to want what it is you know, or agree with you or whatever your purpose is, but without that call to action and the place to go next, what's the point? Yeah, exactly. I get it. Now your next your next tip, tip number three is 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 something that I do all the time and it works very successfully for me. So I'm not going to stop doing it, even though you're telling me to. You're saying that I should stop using big words to try and look smart. <laughs> yes. Not me in particular. Um, not me in particular. Well no, of course not. Of no. course. Um we're, we're both perfect writers, obviously, and perfect humans. Um, <laughs> look, as a rule, if you wouldn't say it, don't write it. But the really big caveat on that is that it's all got to come back again to the audience and the purpose. So maybe, you know, the the audience that you're writing to needs some big words thrown in there. You know, if you're writing a university essay, disregard anything I've ever said about everything <laughs> if you want to pass your degree. Um, but as a rule, if you're writing in a in a you know, for any sort of audience, be be sort of conversational. If you don't, if you wouldn't say it, don't write it. Use the smaller word if there's an alternative. Um, and, you know, you'll be better understood the first time people read what you've written. I think what clients' objection to that often is, is that if they write in too plain English or it's too conversational, that they are going to that their audience almost isn't going to respect them or they're not going to see them as knowledgeable. So how do we get clients over that hump? Like, you know, they've said, we would like to write, please purchase our blah, blah, blah. And you're like, no, no, just say bye because that's what people say in real life. But they're like, no, 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 we want, we want to sound professional. We want to sound authoritative. How do we persuade them that conversational copy is better? Um, I think you've got to be able to show them examples and, and, you know, it isn't always possible to give them a nice, neat figure and say, well, using this and, you know, A-B testing that, that's not always um, real life. But being able to kind of back up, you know, how are people talking? Let's, you know, think back again to that getting to know the audience and the testimonials and what people are saying. How, do your, how does your audience talk? And that's a very easy thing to get examples of. Um, so you can back it up in that way and sometimes it's a matter of just of doing that kind of first run at something and going, well, 
this is how this is how it could sound this is talking to your audience and really getting them to to look up and look out rather than you know staring at their belly buttons all day yes we don't want to do that <laughs> i don't think i can see my belly button it's somewhere down there um now the next one intrigued me why you should stop hesitating what do you mean by that um it's those hesitating words like you know have you ever read anything that apple has written about themselves that says apple tries to be a technology company that blah 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 apple aims to be a something something no apple just does apple just delivers apple just is so you know those those words and you see it a lot you know, in small business, when people are kind of asking permission, in a sense, to say, well, you know, my, our, our brownie shop tries to make the best brownies in Brisbane. Well, no, you don't try. You know, what's, what's Yoda say? There is no try. <laughs> there, is a, there is only do. If you're, if you're comfortable saying that you've got the best brownies in Brisbane, then say it. We make, you know, the best brownies in, in Brisbane. Impress your friends with the best brownies in Brisbane. Um, so yeah, those hesitating words just just take away your authority and your credibility. So just check them out. So stop being so tentative and be a bit more believe in your believe in yourself. If you don't believe in what you're writing about, you know your business or your your client's business, what bloody hope is sorry what hope <laughs> the audience got in going on that journey with you? You know. Um, yeah, yeah. You've got you've got to sound confident. You've got to walk the walk, talk the talk. I guess again, the client objection will be, well, what if what if someone asks us to prove that we have the best brownies in um, in Brisbane? And I guess the, you know the, the way I've always got around it. I mean, you and I have done the same thing. I think we put a little asterisks. You just put it at the bottom of the page. According to my mum, that's what yeah. I. Yes. <laughs> I might write the first testimonial of the book, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I've even got that on my... Have I got that in my book as well? Uh, It's a classic. It's a classic. Asterix, according to my mum. No one can get past that. Uh, Mm -hmm. Now, the next tip, tip number six, is uh, how to think... How to think about where your words are read. So, Mm. what do you mean? Well, look, um, print isn't dead, but most people are obviously reading on screens. And if you break that down again, a lot of people are going to be reading on a phone screen. So think about what that means in terms of, you know, you don't want your readers to end up with with thumb ache um, from scrolling through things. You want things to be optimised. I mean, that that's another conversation as well, optimising um, the design for them for mobile. But, you know, think about does that heading need to be shorter? Um, am I saying too much on this page? You know, all that kind of stuff. What do people actually want to see on that phone? Make it clear, again, what you want them to do next. Yeah. Have that button there they click that lets them do the thing that you want them to do. Just make it clear and not scrolling for days because that's boring. I think I think it was in your group or somewhere where you posted a picture of like what happens when words get wrapped because they get wrapped a lot on mobile phones. So the words, you know, it looks great on a screen because the sentence runs the whole way across, but on a mobile it breaks in a funny place and changes the whole meaning of the sentence. So I think it's, you know, often as copywriters we don't have control over the copy once it's placed in the design. Um, but as you said, shorter sentences, shorter subheaders, I, I think, you know, mobile as we know mobile is now 
the primary source for Google's indexing. And, you know, most, especially location searches, something about 80% of location searches are done on a phone. Just more people are using their mobiles. I look at my own stats and now it's up to 60, 70% of people are looking at my site from a mobile device. So less, it's less copy. People don't read our copy anyway. They read it even less on a mobile. You know, some people will say, oh, well, that's, you know, less words, you know, less work for the copywriter. That's actually... It's more words. As anyone who's ever tried to write anything will know. Uh, <laughs> less words, harder to get but harder to get the message across um, succinctly. But when you do, it's amazing. You know, when it's, you do that, there's so much pleasure in going through a paragraph you've written and chopping words out and yeah. I love a good edit. I'm a ruthless editor. I am of other people's work, but not of my own. <laughs> yes. So the next point that you had is why you shouldn't overthink punctuation. I like this one. I like this there'll one. There will be a few people um, having mini cardiac arrests into their chamomile teas as we talk about this one. Um, yeah, just don't overthink your punctuation. It, you know, it doesn't matter if you use Oxford comma or you don't or you don't even really know what it is, as long as you're consistent. That, you know, there's a secret for you. Consistency (laughs) covers up all manner of not knowing stuff. Someone put me on the spot and gave me a quiz on grammar and punctuation. I would fail miserably. I wouldn't care as long as I was consistent. That said, you know, the the adjunct to that is that if you have a style guide that you're working to for the brand, then obviously go with what they like to use. But if you're just going full pelt, free reign, don't worry about it. Just if you hyphenate, overthinking, hyphenate it every time that you write it. Yeah, I think there will be people listening to to this going, how dare you say that we've got a lot of kind of people who are very precise on their punctuation but I'll be perfectly honest it's never been something that I've had a very good grasp on when I went to school they taught like Italian uh, italic writing and like Indian dancing we didn't actually learn how to use semicolons I wouldn't know I just occasionally put a semicolon in like so that I look like I'm a copywriter I don't know why you know and if I'm if I'm confused I just make two short sentences so I can put a full stop in instead it's audience again. Like if if they don't really know what a semicolon's for, they're likely to be able to understand what it's kind of what you're trying to do when you use it. Yeah, it's they funny because really know if it's in the right spot or not. That's it. Well, you know, obviously most of my clients when I was a full time copywriter were small businesses who wouldn't know a semicolon if it bit them on the bottom. Now that I run copywriting communities, my anxiousness about punctuation and grammar has gone right up because every post I post in the group, I'm like, there's 17 typos and I didn't use the right. I would argue, like you know, so much of us concentrating on online content and and things like that these days that there's less and less uh, use for the semicolon anyway. Yeah, let's just kill it. Uh, death to the semicolon. That's going to be the meme I for this episode. I a client um, article that I wrote this morning. But Did it, you? It was a fancy, like, we know everything about finance articles. Oh, so. there you go. You need to use okay. it then. I think you get. I think you should, like, have a Malteser every time you manage to use a semicolon. Like, it's a little incentive for you. That could work. That could work. Um, so the next tip is how to manage your time. Well, it's not a tip. This is the sentence that we've got written down here. How to manage your time. So editing and proofing are part of your process. Ew, no. Now, if you're listening to this, you will uh, have maybe have listened to the episode previous to this, which is all about proofreading. And you'll know that Belinda and I do not do our own proofreading or editing. We outsource it. I think it's impossible to proofread your own work. Do you think it's doable? <sighs> 
it's doable, but it's not ideal. Mm. Um, my mum is my proofreader. My dad is my proofreader. Yeah. Yay, but, parents. Um, I'm a control freak. Um, I, it's doable if you can let it sit for a little while, ideally overnight. If you've got the time to let it sit there and then go back, then, yes, it is doable. But if you've just, you know, hypothetically, if you were close to missing a deadline and you bashed out a 600-word article in, you know, 57 minutes, uh, hypothetically, then, you know, you're not going to um, pick up the little bits here and there that, that aren't working. And it might not be anything that you can pick up and spell check. That, that's the whole reason why we need proofreaders, if it's spell check. So how, you know, how do you manage your time so that it can be managed? You just, you, you need to, you need to give yourself an overnight. Is that what you're saying? Or? Oh, in a perfect world. This, yeah. when, when I become a perfect copywriter, I'll, I'll confirm for you exactly how that, how that's done. Um, and don't get me wrong. There is a little bit of do as I say, not as I do. Yeah. So in your book, that page is actually just blank because you don't yeah. know. <laughs> write down some ideas here on how you manage your yeah. time. <laughs> and then send them to me for the next book. Yeah, totally. I think it's part of it is just building it into the process from the start. Um, just having that awareness that, you know, if I don't get it done by this certain time, I'm not going to have time to edit it. And also just like have a look at a piece of writing you've done and that you haven't had time to edit and think, is that is that really your best work? You know, because even something that you can just churn out that doesn't seem like it's too complicated or, or what have you, um, if you go back to it again, even if you can only leave it for an hour. I know. know. I, Ideally overnight is perfect. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm all for getting other people to edit and proofread your work. One of the absolute joys of um, writing the book was having someone else edit me. It was fantastic. Painful and fantastic. Yeah, I got to the point when I was writing my book of just just accepting all changes. I just couldn't yeah. I couldn't take the criticism anymore. Um, oh, we went to print, I was on the phone with um, my fabulous designer Kelly, um, and we were in a tease about where this apostrophe went. So I just cut the sentence. Yeah, <laughs> like get rid of it, rip the page out. But yeah. that's the problem. It's you know it's actually the reason why I've never actually reread my book. Because if I did, I would see all its flaws. It's like how, why you should never go back to look at copy that you wrote two years ago because it will make you cry. So just once that copy has left the building, you never look at it again because you will just that's, find... That's the good part of having pictures because I, I can look like I'm flicking through the book and really I'm just looking at the pictures. Looking at the pictures. Words again. Yeah, I've yeah. I've spent so much time with them already. It was time to set them free into the world yeah let them go wherever they go um and that leads us very nicely to the next uh bullet point which is why it's important to be part of the world what do you mean Mm. this one's a little like it's a bit woo woo a little bit but it's also there's a practical element to it um yeah you have to be part of the world you have to you know for me that means you know reading I mean, it doesn't, you know, sitting on your own <laughs> on the lounge reading a book doesn't sound much like being part of the world, but getting your head out of the actual writing space. Like for me, reading is a huge part of that. And my other huge kind of secret weapon in writing is music. I get, you know, ideas all the time from from music and like just pop culture and just some, you know, crap that you read online in the Daily Mail or something terrible like that. Like everything has... Everything contributes to your worldview and and sort of knowing what sort of language people are using and just getting inspired and you know take a break, take a and I know you you took a lunch break this week. Was, <laughs> who, was, even, 
who even am I? But no, I so I so agree. For me, it's, you know, I watch an awful lot of telly and movies, which I know probably doesn't sound like a great thing to do, but it is. I read an awful lot. And I'm also a big listener into conversations. <laughs> that sounds really bad. What a weirdo. But when I was writing a lot of plays and doing a lot of play scripts, like listening to conversations and how people construct conversations, you know, you, you, you just can't learn that sitting at a typewriter. You have to listen to people. And I still find even now, like little phrases will come into my brain, little idioms, little snippets. And it's from a book I maybe read when I was 15 or from a movie. I was, you know, and I, I love that. that. You need that creative juices to flow in otherwise you, you can't you know it's that whole you can't pour for an, an empty bucket you no. will drain yourself of creativity and you need to kind of top the stocks back finding up. it wherever you can like I, I always say you know I read everything like I read all my junk mail mm. I read the back of the cereal box when I'm sitting at the breakfast table I've always been that reader um and it's of everything and you can learn a lot from how to how to write but you can also learn things that you don't like and how you do things better and you know, if you get the urge to get a red pen and just go around the world correcting um, phrases that you see and making them better, then I'm not saying go for it, or am I? Oh, are you? That's just because <laughs> But, yeah, reading the back of packaging, reading menus, reading shop signs. You know, I love when people have written little signs that they put up in the window of their shop. It's like, it's like gold. You're like, please, made a typo. And also where I live, people are forever putting signs up saying, items lost and it's the weirdest items like how why did you even have that item like why and they've put a poster up saying you've lost it with little rip off tabs you weirdo so i love stuff like that there's so much juice in that you know you write a book about that i could maybe i will i will that will be the sequel to write better um so <laughs> the final uh point that we had today doesn't make sense because you're telling me that i need to cut the crap but your last point is that we should write crap Mm, I often don't make sense. Uh, <laughs> yeah, just don't be afraid to write some crap because if you, you think about getting stuff down on a page and that first draft kind of process, you know, a first draft is, is about getting it done. You know, get some crap down on the page. Get, you know, all the points you can think of down on there and then make it better. That's the whole point of writing. If everything came out perfectly formed as I sat and typed at the computer, then I'd work for about, you know, 43 minutes a day and, you know, be rolling in money Scrooge McDuck style. Um, but I don't. I write some crap on the page to get myself going and then in a perfect world have some time to think about it and come back and make it better. Um, in a more realistic world, um, then just go back to the start of the document and start again. Now, I'd just like to point out here that I do only write for 43 minutes a day and I am rolling in money like Scrooge McDuck. The <laughs> there you go. Uh, and that's it, though. It's very different writing for yourself than writing for other people. You know, I am I can edit as I go because it's my own brain, and I'm writing what I want. But yeah, you, you know, it's, you can't empty, you can't edit a blank page. You really just got to give it a pop and uh, get stuck in. Well, look, Amanda, I'm very excited about your new book. I have a copy of it right here. I was very lucky enough to get a, a proof version of the book. And also, my quote is on the back. It's so <laughs> famous. So um, I will include details of how to grab Amanda's book in the um, show notes. Now, I think as well, it's the kind of book that would make a great gift for your client uh, to make them understand how to how to how to appreciate everything that you're doing so uh, and it's, you want to be passive aggressive 
yeah that's cool yeah I like that but also it's kind of I like that I'm, I'm kind of selling your book here and I'm not meant to but it's kind of cute shape it's like it's like one of those books Christmas it's square and little and it's like one of those books that you get for Christmas do you know what I mean that's why I like that anyway thank you very much Amanda Van Eldren it's always a joy to talk to you so we will see you soon now Regular listeners will know that at this time we read out a review of the show. And today we actually have one. Hi! Thank you very much to Middle-Aged Mama in Oz. Uh, She says, I've only listened to a couple of episodes and I'm hooked. These people speak my language. Already I've picked up so many valuable tips on how to run my copywriting business rather than having to learn the hard way. Thanks, guys. Thanks to you, Middle-Aged Mama. And thanks to you for listening. If you like the show, don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating and review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you found this pod. Your review will help others find us, and we will give you a shout out on the show. You can also head to hotcopypodcast.com and leave your comments on the blog post for this episode, as well as finding links to all Amanda's various bits and bobs. So that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. And until next time, happy writing. Thanks for listening right to the end. If you enjoyed this podcast, you might enjoy my two other podcasts. I have one called The Recipe for SEO Success, which is all about SEO tips, advice, and helping you grapple the Google beast. And my other, The Confessions of a Misfit Entrepreneur, which is all about dealing with the stresses of running your own business. You can find both of them on iTunes and Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Podcasts.